This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. In that state, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, a terrifying dream. In verse 5, Daniel 4, verse 5, verse 5, Daniel 4. I saw a dream which made me afraid, and the thoughts upon my bed and the visions of my head troubled me. This dream that Nebuchadnezzar saw was so real to him that he said that he saw a dream. He said the visions of my head, they troubled him because he didn't know what the dream meant, but he knew it was bad news for him. He knew that. He he didn't know what was going to happen next, but he knew it was not going to be good. And so King Nebuchadnezzar, he doesn't know what to do. So he does just what he's done in the past. In verse 6, in verse 6, Daniel 4, verse 6, Therefore made I decree to bring in all the wise men of Babylon before me, that they make known unto me the interpretation of the dream. He hasn't forgot the dream like the last one. So, but he needs the interpretation. And here they all come, just like they came before in chapter 2. Here come the sorcerers, and here come the magicians, and the astrologers, and the soothsayers, and they're coming in with all their smoke and their noise, and some of them are killing animals and examining the feces to predict the future. And the king Nebuchadnezzar, he tells them the dream, and they give him nothing. They give him nothing at all in verse 7, chapter 4, verse 7. Then came in the magicians, astrologers, the Chaldeans, the soothsayers, and I told the dream before them, but they did not make known unto me the interpretation thereof. It's amazing. It's amazing how people today, how people in general, keep going back to the same dry wells for water. This is what God said in Jeremiah 14.3. Jeremiah 14.3, God said, their nobles have sent their little ones to the waters. They came to the pits and found no water. They returned with their vessels empty. They were ashamed, confounded, covered their heads. You know, the world with all of its money, with all of its fame, with all of its pleasures, it can't fill the soul. It can't quench a thirst inside. The Lord Jesus told this to an immoral woman that he met with at a well in John chapter 4, verse 13. John chapter 4, 
13, when it says, Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Whoever turns to this world for their inner satisfaction, for their inner fulfillment, they're going to come up empty. Over and over and over again. And even though Nebuchadnezzar knew that Daniel's God was the God of gods, he said that, and the Lord of kings, when he was in trouble, he still didn't turn to the true God. But he resorted back to his old ways, turning to these old false, false gods. And again, he was not relieved of his trouble. He was tormented till, till, verse 8, verse 8. But at the last came in, Daniel came in before me, whose name was Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God, and in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And before him I told the dream, saying, so those words, at the last, at the last. Why does it always have to be that way with man? Why does it always have to be at the last? Man could save himself. We could save ourselves. People can save themselves. So much trouble in life and so much headache, so much heartache, if man would only at the first turn to the Jehovah Jesus and not at the last. Well, finally he does turn. He turns to Daniel as a, as a matter of at the last. It reminds me of uh, why he did this is because pride, pride inside man says, no, I'm not going to bow down to this Jesus. No, that's pride. And, you know, it's very interesting because when you go to the church of the nativity in Bethlehem, and, you know, you go to see the place where they say Jesus was born. And you go to this, and it's a big church. How many of you have ever been to it? Nobody has ever been to that church. Okay, well, you should all go there. Oh, one person has. Okay, you've been there, Ben. Okay, good. So it's not a very safe place to go. It's people with machine guns all around. But apart from that, it's all right. Anyway, but to get into the church, you remember, Ben? It's like four feet high. you got to bow down. <laughs> Everybody's got to get down just about on their knees. To get in, you have to stoop down, you have to bow. And that's what God, that's the way that God requires man to come to him in humility. Isaiah 66 2, Isaiah 66 2 says, For all those things hath mine hand made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and a contrite spirit and trembleth at my word. So the people that God hangs out with, the people that God wants to be with are the ones who see themselves as poor in spirit. Blessed are them, they'll see God, and humble and tremble at God's word. And since man doesn't want to do that, it always has to come with at the last. At the last, in verse 8, at the last, Daniel came in. Reminds me of my neighbor, Larry Rust. Many of you know the story in Lakeside in the 80s, 1980s. And Larry was, uh, he was a retired Navy officer who really didn't want anything to do with God. He made that pretty clear to me. So I kind of gave him a wide berth. He was my neighbor in Lakeside, Willow Road. But Larry then got prostate cancer. And I knew that, oh, I really never had the chance, because Larry kind of always pushed me back, to ever tell Larry how to get saved. So I said, okay, this time I'm going to tell him. So I went down there to Balboa Hospital, the old Balboa Hospital, and downstairs in the basement, that's where all the cancer patients were. And I was carrying my big black Bible, and I just got into the doorway of Larry's room, 
And I said, Larry? And Larry saw me in my Bible and he started to shout loud, no, no Bible, no God, no. It was making a scene, so I had to leave immediately. It was like, oh, this is terrible. And I thought, okay, well, I'll just give him a little time to, to, to cool off and then I'll go back and I won't take my big black Bible. So I waited and then I, I returned to Balboa Hospital and, and I went to the room and, and Larry wasn't there. So I, you know, I went to the nurse and I said, is Larry Rust here? And the nurse, nurse said to me, and who wants to know? This is very strange, you know? <laughs> this is really odd. I said, Tom? And the nurse said to me, oh, so you're Tom. I thought, this is even strange. She said, well, let me tell you something, Mr. Tom. Larry Russ died last night. And all through the night, he screamed at the top of his lungs, Tom, Tom, where's Tom? Bring Tom, bring Tom. Verse 8, but at the last, Daniel came in before me. Now, keep in mind that in verse 8, it's Nebuchadnezzar speaking. And he says in verse 8, but at the last, Daniel came in before me, whose name was Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God, and in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And before him, I told the dream. So even though Nebuchadnezzar knows in his heart that Daniel's God is, what we read at first in chapter 2, verse 7, chapter 2, verse 7, of a truth it is, your God is a God of gods and a king, Lord of kings. Even though he knows this, even though he, he knows this from Daniel, he doesn't know it from Daniel, he knows it from the three friends, from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in verse 26, chapter 3, 26, chapter 3, 26, he says, then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, you servants of the Most High God, come forth. And they came forth. He knew that the true God was the Most High God. He was the God of gods. He was the Most High God. He knew all that, but that didn't make him saved. He knew it, but it didn't make him saved because he knew it, but he didn't make him a child of God. What would make Nebuchadnezzar a child of God is if he bent the knee, if he worshiped that most high God, if he gave himself to that Jehovah Jesus. It's like people today. They know that Jesus is God. Many people know that Jesus Christ is God. They know that he's the only way to God, that he's the way, the truth, and the life. That doesn't make them saved. That doesn't make them saved. It's just head knowledge. It's not heart obedience and devotion. And this is what we see in Nebuchadnezzar. And this is why the Lord Jesus emphasized the importance when he began to preach, repent, repent, turn around. And that's why Nebuchadnezzar says in verse 8, he says, uh, he says here's Daniel, but he has a name Belteshazzar according to the name of my God. Why could Nebuchadnezzar, why, could, why didn't he just call him Daniel? That means God is my judge. That's got the name God in it, El, God. Why didn't he just call him that? Why didn't he just say, and then came in Daniel, who's named after El, the true God? Why did he say that? Why did he have to make this point that Daniel's name was after his idol, Bel, Belteshazzar? Why did he have to say that Daniel was given the name of Belteshazzar? I mean, he had an opportunity. To, he had an opportunity to turn, but he wanted to make very clear in this statement that Daniel's God was not his God. He was not going to bow to the God of the Jews that were his prisoners that he had captured. He was not going to bow before the God of the Jews whose temple he destroyed. So he wanted to make the statement publicly that he had not given up the worship of his false god, Bel. Bel was his god. 
In verse 8, translation says that Daniel had the spirit of the holy gods. Actually, maybe not. Because Nebuchadnezzar used the Aramaic word, which means Elohim. Elohim. So I wouldn't say that Nebuchadnezzar was saying that he had the spirit of the false gods inside of Daniel, because he knew better than that. He knew better than that. So he may have just been saying he had the spirit of God in him. So he addresses Daniel. He says he's the master of the magicians. I'm sure Daniel loved that. But when we see Nebuchadnezzar here falling away from his proclamation that God's the true God, the only God, the highest God, when we see him backsliding into idolatry, it shows that for a Christian, there's only one gear in life. That gear is the gear forward. It's the gear drive. It's a, because for the Christian, there is no neutral. There is no standing still. There's only one going forward, and to stand still is to slide backwards. So we have to keep on going on with God. This is what was emphasized in Hosea 6.3, Hosea 6.3. Then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord. Now, Nebuchadnezzar tells his dream, and the dream is all about a tree. He says, behold, a tree in the midst of the earth. The, tr- the dream is all about a tree. And the tree is right in the middle of the earth. It's a very important tree. It's a very tall tree in verse 10. The height thereof was great. The tree grew, it was strong. It was so tall in verse 11 that it says the height thereof reached unto heaven and the sight thereof to all the ends of the earth. So it's like the tree was wanting to reach right to God's throne, just like Satan wanting to overthrow God, just like the people of the Tower of Babel wanting to build their tower that reaches God's throne. This is the tree that was reaching unto heaven. And the tree was also seen from all the earth. It says the tree had a great reputation. And from verse 12, the whole earth ate from the fruit of the tree, and the tree gave a protection from the sun. And then there came the turn of events, the disturbing turn of events. This is what made him afraid. This is what made him so troubled. Because the great change happened as a new person appears on the scene. And this person in verse 13 is called a watcher. And a holy one came down from heaven. And when he saw this person who he called, when Nebuchadnezzar saw this person who he called a watcher and a holy one, it was very real to Nebuchadnezzar in verse 13. I saw in the visions of my head. It was that tree, he knew that tree represented him. That tree was Nebuchadnezzar. And that person called the watcher and the holy one, we know who that was. That was, again, Jehovah Jesus. How interesting that he is called the watcher, the watcher. You know, we talk about, I'm enjoying my privacy. There's no privacy. There's no privacy from God. God is a watcher. It says in Psalm 139, verse 7, Psalm 139, verse 7, Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. The darkness hideth not from thee, and the night shineth as a day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. Whatever what people view as a secret sin, it's an open scandal in heaven. Because God hears it all, God sees it all. And the shout goes out from the watcher. The shout goes out in verse 14. He cried aloud and said thus, 
hew down the tree, cut off his branches, shake off his leaves, scatter his fruit, let the beasts get away from under it and the fowls from his branches. He knows the tree represents him. He knows that the shout for the tree to be cut down is bad news for him, that it was talking about him. And he knows this, and he's terrified. He's just terrified because the judgment is heard from the Lord. And the judgment is, leave the stump in verse 15. Leave the stump with the roots in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass in the tender grass. And let it be wet with the dew of heaven and let his portion be with the beasts and the grass of the earth. Let his heart be changed from man's and let a beast's heart be given him till seven times pass over him. So even though Nebuchadnezzar doesn't know exactly what the dream meant, he knew this was talking about his downfall. But he wanted to know, what does this mean? Let a heart, the heart of man be taken out and the heart of a beast. And it, it just all you know is it didn't sound good. God has ways to humble men. Now, all this is just simply too overwhelming for him. But even though it's very overwhelming to him, he gains, he harvests, he collects three truths that he learns from it. And the first truth that he learns in verse 17 is the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men. And this means that Nebuchadnezzar learned God has not turned his, his back on this world. The world has not gotten away from God. The world has not spun out of control. When it looks like the world is spinning out of control, it's not. As a matter of fact, when man thinks that he's deposed God and finally freed himself from God, God's response is, he laughs. He laughs, he holds him in derision in Psalm 2, verse 4. Psalm 2, verse 4. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill in Zion. When man thinks that he has crucified the Lord Jesus out of existence, God laughs. And he says, no, I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. That was the first thing that he learned. That God, the most high God, rules in the kingdom of men. The second truth he learned is that he says, and he giveth it to whomsoever he will. That's what God does. He giveth, the, he giveth the rulership among men to whomsoever he will. It's not Democrats, it's not Republicans that are gonna determine who's gonna be in office. It's the Lord. And just think of God ordaining powers, as it says in Romans 13.1. Romans 13.1 says, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there's no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. And the third truth that he's learned is he setteth it over the basest of men. He setteth the kingdoms, he set the rulers, he setteth over it the basest, he calls the rulers the basest of men. Now, who might that be that he's referring to? Uh, himself. This is nothing less than, as Jim just said, he's saying, I'm a dirty, rotten sinner, only Jim added stinking. I didn't ever say that part, you know. But okay, he's dirty, rotten, stinking. I guess rotten stinks. So that's what he is. He's saying he's a dirty, rotten, stinking sinner. That's what Nebuchadnezzar is saying here, the basest of men. And this confession of Nebuchadnezzar is absolutely essential for a person to be saved. I remember one time speaking with um, an older saint over there about 30 years ago, and we were over there at the kitchen, and she was telling me about her relative, she says, that was not saved, 
And then she was explaining to me that he's a good person. And so I said, oh, he's a good, dirty, rotten sinner. Okay, so. But it's a searching, but this is absolutely essential for a person to be saved. Because there's a question that the Lord Jesus asks. And the question, he's just asking it to a, a man. But really, it's a question which he really poses to everybody. In Luke 18.41, Luke 18.41, this man was calling out to him. In 18.41, Luke 18.41, he says, what wilt thou that I shall do? Well, the man was blind. It seemed obvious. But he said, what do you want me to do? And now Nebuchadnezzar turns to Daniel for the exact interpretation of the dream. And he says in verse 18, this dream, O I, King Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. Now thou, O Belteshazzar, declare the interpretation thereof for as much as all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known unto me the interpretation. But thou art able, for the spirit of the holy gods, I think it's the spirit of Elohim, is in thee. And now comes Daniel's response, which is in verse 19. And Daniel's response is, as the king reported, then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was astonished, or astonished for one hour, and his thoughts troubled him. The king spake and said, Belteshazzar, let not the dream or the interpretation thereof trouble thee. Belteshazzar answered and said, my lord, the dream be to them that hate thee and the interpretation thereof to thine enemies. The Hebrew word here used for astonished or, uh, astonished or astonished is shamem. And the word shamem means to be desolate. When a person, it refers to like a person when he sees something, he's so devastated by it that his face turns white and he's in shock. He's pale from the shock. And this is the same word, shamem, that's used on the people who saw the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. When the whip and the iron and the pieces of bone slashed across his face, tearing the flesh from his face, and it says that those who saw his face were shamim in Isaiah 52, 14. As many as were shamim, or astonished, at thee, his visage was so marred more than any man, and his face more than the sons of men. And what Daniel saw, what was going to happen to his friend, Nebuchadnezzar, it so stunned him, it so shocked him, that it turned him white for an hour. For an hour, he's speechless, and he's just there devastated. It reminds me when, of the time when I'd just been diagnosed with cancer with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma back in 2010. And I called my friend, you all know him, Mike Johnson. And I called Mike up at San Mateo. And you know, Mike and I were really tight friends. I mean, as Mike was really one of the first few Christians I met after I was saved in, in uh, September 1970 when he was teaching a Bible class at San Diego City College. And uh, my wife went down there and met him first and said, uh, go look for my husband, he's a student here, and get him in your Bible study. And Mike said, well, how am I going to recognize him? And she said, he has curly hair. <laughs> Maybe that Mike and I were the only ones there that had curly hair. I don't know. But Mike and I, we spent a lot of time together. I spent a lot of time in Mike's Filipino home until he moved to San Mateo. And Mike had lost his sister Faye and his brother to cancer. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. 
Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.